Hey, it's Chris Edgerly, a.k.a. The Edge Voice, and you're about to listen to an audio version of an interview I've done on my streamcast on Twitch. Now, if you'd like to see the video along with it, you can find it in the links below, or you can just go to my YouTube channel, Chris Edgerly, a.k.a. The Edge Voice. Hope you enjoy it. Well, I also, I think it's very, very important to be a dreamer. Uh, you do have to have your feet on the ground, but one of the reasons why I've been able to buy property, it, part of it is just because I've had a, a career that has paid me enough where I've been able to save the money and do it, but also because I'm ambitious and I dream. And so I go and do the house porn. I keep it in context. I realize, yeah, I, I'm not ever going to own this house, but for a minute, it's going to be fun to dream about it. And I think it's okay as long as it does not impact your regular life. If it starts right. to interfere with your ability to function, then yeah, you've got a problem. And so what we do is I look the same way you do. I look at these escape hatches and I say, what part of the world would we live in if it wasn't going to be the United States? Because I've already decided if we're going to live in the U.S., it's going to be L.A. Right. Because New York is a fascinating city, but it's cold. So, you know, I don't want to deal with those weather extremes. But if we had to check out and go to another country, we've already got a couple of countries on the old hit list. And one of them is Spain. The other one, yeah, the other one I'd have to talk my wife into, but it would be somewhere in Britain because of how beautiful and green it is. So, yeah, it's nice to have that escape hatch. And by the way, you never know when you're going to pull it. You never know because you spent all this time looking at it. You're thinking, you know what? Mentally, I've prepared for this. And so now I can actually do it. It doesn't seem like such a crazy thing. And yeah. uh, you never know. You might be doing season 10 of Loba from another <laughs> hemisphere. Yeah. You never know. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Like, again, like, there's a lot. Like, it's all pipe dream stuff, too, because, like, guys, no matter what they tell you, it's not safe to fly right now. Um, yeah. So we're, well, we're landlocked anyway. But yeah, the, we are. I'm interested, like everybody else, to see how this long-term work from home situation just changes the workforce landscape at large because it's already shifted a lot it has and this is a long-term thing and then like you know for covid sake as many epidemiologists and scientists and whatever said people will determine how this goes people like mm -hmm. individuals so individual behaviors whether you decide to go to a secret party or whether you decide to stay home or whether you decide to wear a mask or whether you decide to uh what i don't want it, whatever my husband sent me a link this morning of like I don't even want to promote it, but like there's like a concert and they call themselves like the herd immunity festival. <laughs> so their plan is to go ahead and have everybody get it. Yeah. And whoever dies, dies. And whoever yeah. lives is herd immunity. It's a very Darwinian approach. Uh, die. Yeah. That's where this all boils down to is <gasps> like, look, what you're saying is true. If you do that, yeah, you'll get your herd immunity, but there's going to be some serious consequences to that. And I don't know if people really are ready for those kinds of consequences. I don't think they've thought it through. There's going to be a lot of loss and there I'm might, tired. uh, yeah. I'm tired. So, yeah, I know. Like, yeah, guys, it's hard. like, I, I've, I believe it. I say it all the time. Look, if you can roll out of bed and accomplish anything, if you're getting work done, if you are taking care of yourself and your family, if you're cleaning your house, you are a champion. You are a champion among men and women. Sometimes doing more than me. It's, it's hard work. Right yeah. Now, I think. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is that um, right now we work in a world that is positively booming with activity because 
gamers, streamers, uh, fans of the games, people who animate these things. Everybody can do their work from home, they're discovering. And people are spending more time online than they've ever spent ever before. And so my hope is that people learn how to do it as constructively as possible. Because before, and you guys know who've been following me for a while, before the pandemic, I would end every stream by saying, go outside, go hug somebody, go get human contact. You need it. It's very important. Well, right now, you should go outside because you need it, but you should do it responsibly. And as far as the human contact goes, um, unless you live with somebody, you have to be careful about that. So um, you have to find your, your way of getting all your needs met within this confined space that we have all been required to live in for safety reasons. It's very yeah, challenging. Ms. Ashley read in the chat. Hello, Ashley. How are you? Hello. Ash. Ash is here. Hey, Ashley, you're going to be here in uh, a couple of weeks. So gear up. Ashley Reed, one of the writers of Apex, one of the writers of Loba. Is that correct? Uh, you know what? That's a, It's a big deal for me because it was a big deal for her because apparently Loba was the first character that Ashley was ever given full charge of to write. Uh -huh. So for, for like as somebody who came up in game de design, it felt very like circle of life to like be contributing to like an up and coming well designers. This would be a pivot. This would be a pivot, but and this is an actory question. But how much of yourself do you see in this character? Attitude, backstory, whatever. I mean, I'm assuming your parents weren't murdered by they were a simulacrum. Not I have no thieving skills at all. Okay, I good to know. Have no bow staff skills and i've shaved half my head i did immediately buy a bunch of red hair extensions though okay. so like my my pandemic hair is i've i have a side cut where i I've tr i'm sorry but like we're all on our own right so i traveled back to 2014 and brought back my side cut i don't care it's out of fashion Sha shaves half my head and then i'm growing out this look i have a little rat's tail because i made it half a shag mullet and i look like a lady in the south anyway um i did already buy a bunch of like red extensions so I can like do a single braid and just pop that in there for no reason other than to please myself. Cause I, who knows if conventions ever happen again, but for fun anyway, give me something right. to do. Um, Loba kind of like the instruction from respawn was just sort of like, because they're the, even more so sorry guys, more important than representation is intelligibility. Um, if, if the, if the common denominator, audience american member can't understand what i'm saying it's all for nothing it's all a waste of resources mm -hmm. so i was asked um by respond to just just to do like the blandest latin american accent i can do and just like for the record if people don't know i'm half mexican i'm not i'm not mexican american i say i'm mexican and american because my father is a white was a white american my mother was from mexico city all her family is from Mexico City. She immigrated to the United States in her 30s, you know, learned English as a second language in her 30s, on and on and on. And then I was raised very biculturally, but mostly in a Mexican household where, like, I was only permitted to speak Spanish with my mother in the household. We traveled to Mexico for all of summer vacation every year up until my teens. My grandparents, my mother's parents would come and stay with us from, like, october to february so like the family was always together and then i spent fifth and sixth grade in mexico city mm -hmm. so i'm not so to me like if you're blank american you are usually you know a first or second generation kid of immigrants and it's part of your culture but you're not 
from that country or maybe you've never been to that country like for example an african-american doesn't mean that you've ever been to africa or have any context or experience with african culture you are african-american which is its own thing so i am not mexican-american i am mexican and american i experience those cultures very separately in their own countries um, and i speak fluent mexican spanish so because of that um by base like Margaret Show and so many first generation kids, we all do our parents' accents. Uh-huh. So so I get hired a lot to do the accent because my party trick, because I was raised in this, you know, multilingual household is just sort of like no tengo acento en cualquier idioma. I don't have an accent either language. Pero puedo poner el acento si necesitas que suena como una gringa con un acento or I can have an accent in English like someone who learned it as a second language because you know because here's the thing and I, I this is my personal theory but I'm right about everything um, I think I book accents because of my experience with my mother as uh, English as a second language late in life learner and as an immigrant here's the thing Immig- this is the difference between I think like an American or and or white person doing an accent and then someone who has like contextual experience mm-hmm. with the accent immigrants are not going out of their way to play a racial stereotype of themselves that's not the goal immigrants who learn english as a second language are desperately fighting to get their mouth around the words and to be as intelligible as possible they're not showing off an accent they're not showing off their stereotype they're just trying to speak english well right so it's a combination of having that in the back of my head and then also making sure that everything I say is fully intelligible because otherwise, what are we doing here? This VO is useless. Like, I, if I put on a super authentic accent, but you can't understand what I said, these call-outs are meaningless to Apex players. Right. So, you know, Loba's accent is, like, is basically a version of, like, my mom's accent that I do, but making sure that it's really clear when I say, Grenade here! It just needs to be understood. That is more important than representation. Sorry about it. Um, so there's that. I do have a big juicy ass. That is true. Um, I don't think she was modeled. We probably don't have the exact same dimensions. But I. But it, it is hard for me to feel uncomfortable in any kind of seating situation. Um, I don't know. Like, it when you play a, a superhero of any kind, right? Because, like, I've, I've done... Like I've done Poison Ivy and um, I've done, uh, what's her name? Uh, one of one of Superman's villains. I've done. So the, the femme fatale type. Yeah. So I don't think you can go all method of like, let me pull on my experience when my parents were murdered before my eyes. And from that day on, I just like, no, right. Like that's not my life experience. So I think you just like any, like you can look at any interview with any actor who's ever been like, so how did you play the villain so well? Or how did you dig? And it's just like, you just have to make that person make sense to you. If, if it was you in that situation, what would your reaction, how would you sort it out? Like, what, what would you do? And then that's, I feel like that's a story that tells itself if you let it, right? Yeah. Without having to have been, I mean, like method acting is, all, is really wild to me because it's like, do you have to become addicted to heroin to play a drug addict? Because that seems like a lot of work. Let's uh, let's ask Daniel Day Lewis, and uh, it seems like going too far. Yeah, there. Yeah, it's two approaches, and Call you're me taking lazy. it. Call well, me lazy. I don't feel like doing it. They asked Harrison Ford once, you know, what's your approach? What's your this? You're that? And he says, I, I pretend. I play pretend. We're actors. We play pretend, and it's a very simple answer. If you ask Daniel Day Lewis, 
when he made uh, Last of the Mohicans, one of my favorite movies, he moved to the woods and learned how to build himself a log cabin that he lived in. He just convinced himself, I have to go all the way there. That's a cool life skill. I don't know how that adds to the performance. Did you know that he was such a weirdo during Lincoln that he would text message, what's her face, uh, Sally Field. Sally Field. He would text message her, but refer to her as mother. Of course. He real Lincoln would, and would only speak to her in character, but I'm like, did, text, did Lincoln text message? Because that doesn't seem historically accurate <laughs> yeah. to me, Daniel. Anyway. And Dan on There Will Be Blood, apparently, if you approached him on There Will Be Blood, he was Daniel Plainview. And so he was uh, oh not God, the nicest so guy. It's <laughs> so stressful. I could not imagine. I am going to have my uh, oats, and then I'm going to brain you with this bowling pin. Like, Would you mind leaving me alone? Then, yeah, so it, it got him to where he needed to be in his head to give the performance he wanted it to give. Whereas if you ask Kathleen Turner, I think she said, I just pretend. I pretend. Yeah. I don't feel like I need to have the same experience as the actor. There are no wrong answers. It depends on what comes out on the celluloid. If the performance is believable, great. Whatever you needed to do to get yourself there. But of course, you better be a damn well genius if you're going to take the Daniel Day-Lewis approach because you're going to be hard to live with. I think that's so. just extra credit. I think that's just taking production time to build a cabin in the woods yeah i don't know we, we don't have that kind of time guys i i just i've always explained and and you know hey i'm not a face actor i have no face acting experience see we're voice actors they're face actors the people yeah. who like are extremely camera focused because they have like is it getting my good angles am, am i in the shot is yeah this, is the lighting good is it framing my face these are things that we don't have to worry about i don't have to worry about all i have to worry about is being on mic and and not being right. too loud or whatever right so i flex a different set of muscles and then on top of that like i mentioned earlier we have a limited amount of time to get the thing done so we don't have yeah. time for me to run laps and do extra credit to get in the mood i had um uh a voice director a booth director ask me like we were out of context at a party and he was like um you know you know cal cal cal, cal. oh so, uh i if i have not uh worked with them then i probably know of them so. trivia so cal whose legal name is cal l uh -huh. and at first when he when I first met him I was like that's funny and nerdy no both <laughs> his parents actually worked on like actual superman comic books so totally okay. totally earned cal's dope um he's a great director uh, Cal asked me at a party. So he's like, "Hey, how do you like walk in, all confident or whatever, and you just you just start working?" Because he's like, "Frida, I swear to God, I usually spend the first thirty minutes of every session making someone comfortable and warming them up and and making them feel like they can run." And I was like, "Who's he working with? On camera people?" Maybe I was just like, "Dude, I just know we don't have that kind of time. Like, yeah. I know that from the time we start." we got to go and we got to hit the ground running. And then on top of that, I got to, we got to get this done with enough time for you to have second opinions. And maybe we go back and do a pickup and do that line again. Cause you changed your mind or we learned something new about pronunciation, whatever. I'm like, I'm extremely maybe too aware of just like, we don't, we don't have time yeah. <laughs> to, to, to play. So let's go. And that's not to say that like I'm giving the VO faster or something. I'm just like aware of like this was scheduled a certain way and we don't have time for other shenanigans. Right. That's all. 
When you auditioned for Loba, was it uh, one of those reads where you thought, I, I pretty much know exactly what I want to do for this quickly. I don't have to mess around too much to come up with a voice. Because that's not your normal speaking voice. Chatting with you is like chatting yeah. with an academic. You know, you're rattling off your words. You're, 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 uh, you're trying to keep pace with your thoughts. Loba seems to be very measured and very calculated in her... Um, in her tone. Well, Ash, I mean, Ashley can back me up. So in, in the callback, as I recall, I remember it specifically being the kind of thing where they were testing how I played in terms mm -hmm. of just like giving five different directions for one tiny line. And uh -huh. it's, and it's always, I mean, producers can contradict me, but they're not here. Um, callbacks are usually a test of what do you like to work with? how fast is your turnaround? Like if we ask you to zig when you're zagging, are you flexible or are you going to be weird about it? Are you going to give us resistance or is this like only the only sound you can do? Or can you, can you meet us in the middle? What, before we pay for this, right. <laughs> before we commit the time and the money, can you, are you willing to play and how do you play? That's right. all. It's, it's, it's like a, you know, it's a dry run of a date. Um, so if I remember the callback was just like a lot of that of asking me to do the same tiny line five different ways just just to see if if i was flexible and if i was i i presume giving them the thing that uh, very often clients don't know what they want but they know it when they'll hear it so you're and it's and honestly it's like from my perspective it's like trying to feed a toddler what what do you want do you want carrots i got carrots bananas no we don't want pears do you want baby food do you want cucumbers anything pick one but you can't be that frustrated on the inside or on the outside right you just have to be like this one? No? Okay, spit it out. Okay, do you want pasta? No, it's on the ceiling. Okay, so you just, I always feel like I, I'm trying to interpret the client's direction into what I have in my back pocket of things I can do, mm -hmm. present it, or present a new way. It's like, oh, you didn't like peanut butters before, but you like peanut butter with celery? And eventually the toddler or client, you're all babies to me, will bite and be like, oh, that's what I wanted. And you're like, good. And then you lock it in mentally and just keep doing that thing that makes them happy. Um, so you're so, you're trying to avoid the Samuel L. Jackson "Go the fuck to sleep" read, you know that uh, the that's what they want. the the famous well the famous book that yeah. Samuel L. Jackson narrated. After a while, yeah. Well, I found that with me, I'm willing to give them anything they ask for unless I sense, and this is where the actor's power comes in, that I'm not going to be able to do that for four hours, and that's usually yeah. your decision in the audition. A, a director put it brilliantly to me. He said, you get to decide how much you want to scream when you audition. You give your version of what your scream is going to be because Apex Legends is the only game where you're not screaming. All the other games, we're screaming and dying. So in the audition, you give your version of a scream or a death noise or a incoming that you think you can maintain for two to four hours and then submit it. And then we'll decide if we can live with that. So yeah. that's where you set your boundaries. So, yeah. You, yeah. you definitely have to defend. You You are your only advocate, only and best advocate in this whole business because everyone else just wants to make money or get content off of you. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, for a character like Loba, um, once you played around with it a bit and you had it, is it, uh, it, it seems to me that you have your technique down to, as you said, when you walk in, you're ready to go. You don't need a lot of warm-up time. I'm Pathfinder for me, I, I've said this before, Pathfinder is me, but I'm just happier and yeah. a bit more excited. And so it's not hard to get there because I'm a pretty happy, cheerful guy to begin with. 
is there That's pretty comfortable yeah it's a comfortable thing for me it's never been a problem it's one of the easiest jobs i've ever had and and not just because of how easy it is to read as pathfinder just the environment that i get mm -hmm. to work in for you do you have to flip a switch or is it just eh, just a little tweak um we've like i'm sure people have noticed in the lines because they're even just like game call outs but the whole point is to infuse them with the the character's personality right yeah um the apex team will pull the reins pull the reins or loosen the reins depending on how playful two things how playful they want me to be and who mm -hmm. i'm saying it to because like obviously the lines with darren over here yeah with revenant have a very different tone Mm -hmm. than like the rest of the team for right. example right so there you've got the unique character interactions and then on top of that um just for like the all the multi-purpose ones that are to whomever about one whatever we did have some jiggling because we can even though she's got a personality we can't make it all one note so it couldn't all be like every line is super sexy and she's always like i puppy because that's not a real person and that's weird if it's every line if she's just like, sorry, dudes, no one is perma horny. It's weird. Um, and then also um, kind of like writing, writing the faders, as it were, as we say in the business, which no one says in the business. Um, playing in, in my head, I think it's because I'm a sound designer. Yeah. Uh, like I've got a set of knobs. <laughs> nipples. No, I've got a set of, <laughs> of like oscillators and nipples. Right. And nipples. Anyway. Clip I've got a that. set of things you can twiddle. I don't know. Penis. No. Um, there's a <laughs> bunch of settings in my in my brain pan that in my head are being sort of like any time. Yeah. They're either being the faders are being moved or the knobs are being twiddled or the nipples are being. Um, and between all that, we come up with like this what we're looking for. Sound, I hate saying the sound we're looking for because VO is not doing voices. Everybody knows that and we hate that we don't we don't say that um but to, let's say the mood the right mood right right so loba's mood wavers between like i'm a lot of fun also i'm very horny but i'm also going to murder you and mm -hmm. just having her vacillate between those two so she's like a believable you know three or four five dimensional person if you include her ass <laughs> um right so she's believable so it was just like a lot of that so you know, maybe I would do a line and and the team would pull me back a bit of like, okay, but like not so much fun this time, more plain. And especially because because call outs are such a prominent feature yeah. of Apex, um, a lot of the time the read needs to be extremely flat and militaristic. And for like I had the benefit because like I'm I'm the Johnny come latest. Yeah. Um, right. They had already you guys did the work so I didn't have to. They had already hammered out with y'all first gen shipped characters how certain lines needed to be mm -hmm. so they didn't have to figure out with me they already knew what they wanted and i was sort of like the last to know they had to like guide me into the right tone for right. xyz type of lines they had already done it with you it was second hat for them i was you know the one that had to be brought up to speed so that was that was the biggest thing with lobo of just like knowing when when the personality is on display when like the feelings are you know front and center versus a specific character and when just to keep it like super flat and mm -hmm. and military militaristic <clears throat> is lifeless like for me when you give a military read it's like oh so no acting stop acting got it you know what i mean because it's because you can't have it can't be musical it can't be excited it's just very like you know um i don't know like pfft, machine gun there 
putting yeah. them there, and the, and like the team is regularly like freed out, less 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 interested. It's Everything less is out of a manual in the military. Yeah. Everything is by yes. a book and flat. Yeah. yeah, because those calls are also things that are happening like every ten seconds. Yeah, right. So just just like with sound design, if you have a sound that's popping off every ten seconds, it can't be bombastic, annoying, grating. It can't stand out because it fatigues your ears yeah. and your brain. Mm -hmm. So the same thing with VO, it can't be fatiguing. It's got to for the stuff that's going off all the time keep it really plain keep it really simple i don't care how sassy your character is so that was i guess a little bit of a challenge with lobo because because the baseline with her is like i'm always on i mean i don't know why i'm doing her like charo today but he body through he body through yeah <laughs> could you, could you imagine yeah um she's gonna fire me that's well, did you end up uh, having any conversations with Ashley about the character? Because this is oh, yeah. this is a character the way she's the way she's rendered. I talked to Tom, one of the writers, about this. That yeah, this is a femme fatale character, a character that a lot of people are going to objectivize because that's just who they are. But they're trying to make a point in that she's not this way just because she's trying to make all these guys horny for her. There's there's more to it than that. There is, uh, it's there, a fine line. No, no, there's a, <laughs> uh, I'm just like, it, this, this is the face of a tired woman who came up in video games and has had this discussion many times. Well, we don't have I, to have it if you're no, over it. No, I'm old. It's been 85 years. I've earned this. Um, no, so, so the, the deal with sexualizing between the male gaze and the female gaze is like, like Game of Thrones is a perfect example where I was like, look. None of us are saying cover up. I'm saying equality. Yeah. For every pair of titties, I want to see some dong. You got it? Like equal opportunity nudity, equal opportunity sexualization. That's all. When it's it's clearly one-sided, we have a problem. Right. We have a big problem. I would like to see a bigger problem with some men's. Like the one time they show us a penis, it was to look at a genital work. Like, are you kidding? It was such a slap. It's such a big dick slap in the face. Anyway, um, so when it comes to video game characters or whatever – so of the many horrible, misogynistic, awful things I've heard men say uh, in the gaming industry, one of them that was repeated to me. So like a friend of, so I'm not going to name names, but a friend of mine who's um, a long time, long time in the industry and a creative director and a good personal friend of mine told me that this art director who I believe no longer works at that company, but the art director, and it means nothing. Like the guy was married with two daughters, means nothing, um, told my friend, the creative director, and I quote, everything women do is so that they appear sexy to men. And this was like over arguing over character design, meaning mm -hmm. in this guy's mind, and he's not the only one, he's speaking for a lot of other dudes out there. In his mind, he genuinely believes that every woman who wakes up in the morning, puts herself together a certain way, wears a certain type of hairstyle or makeup to appeal to him like he's a goddamn king. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like it's a very foreign concept to a lot of hetero men that maybe a woman put herself together a certain way because it makes her happy and she doesn't care if you're looking. Mm -hmm. It's and it's there's this weird cultural. It's it's weird to us because we're like you're you all are insane. This weird cultural expectation that everything a woman does to herself physically it's it's like. It's like a lot of dudes think we're all just sort of like living cocktail waitresses who are working for tips all the time, everywhere, mm -hmm. in the workplace, out of the workplace, when we put ourselves together, which is where you get things from. She was asking for it. Mm -hmm. 
okay. Well, we're for the record, we're we're never asking for it unless we're asking for it. With words. Like those words are coming out words. and it's an actual request. Yeah. If I say please, that's asking for it. <laughs> right. But, but no woman on this planet is actually asking to be harassed, assaulted, or hit on based on appearance. That is y'all's assumption that is very wrong, right? Um so that attitude, and it's really scary coming from an art director in charge of, you know, video game companies mm -hmm. art gets translated into what you see come out of of game design of game character design when there's no woman involved well then yeah we get stuff that was designed for the male gaze because it's coming from someone who generally believes that all women should look like they're catering to his personal tastes mm -hmm. whatever they are and then also you get into that weird divide of like well i wouldn't put it in her so she's trash not a woman of value or and i don't want to see her on my screen if i wouldn't put it in her it's like well i mean i don't know if y'all knew but there are women who play video games on this planet, I have heard. In fact, it's sometimes counted as more than half of the population of gaming are, are you know, card-carrying vagina holders. It's weird. Crazy. New new information, guys. I, I worked in games 20 years ago. The, the scars are new. Um, so, so, Respawn being made up of, like... I think I think the a lot of the creative heads, like Mohammed at Respawn, are of, like, my age group. Uh, and I'd like to think some of us are a little more evolved. And so them rearing up and protecting younger developers like Ashley gave her the leeway to be like, what do you want to do? What what do you want to do with this character? And mm -hmm. then as my understanding, I don't want to speak for Ashley, but my understanding is cross-checked it with the opinions and feelings of a lot of other women who work at Respawn of like, mm -hmm. how does this make you feel? And right. they took that feedback and made something that they agreed on. And, you know, like, wow, it's so weird. Like, women made a character for their gaze, and she was still considered sexy by men. Mm -hmm. <gasps> Who knew? And she doesn't look like a cocktail waitress. Weird. So strange. Um, so, I mean, that that in itself is, I think, like a success story that should be looked at and pointed to the next time some jerk off at some game studios like all women do this because that's what they're asking for and they should look a certain way to satisfy my needs it's like well did you ask anybody else in the studio because this is going to be an awkward conversation when someone outs you on twitter in a long thread accusing you of xyz um so yeah that's fun uh so i'm i'm very proud to be a part of that that's really cool for for me as a feminist and someone who came up in games as a, as a woman in video games and whatever else i think that's really cool to be a part of it's nice to see the end result the rear end result <laughs> just whatever it writes itself um and to uh i mean i don't know exactly the numbers but i i hear that loba did well and that uh it her, she produced some healthy concurrent numbers like healthy <laughs> loba anyway. is tracking well and hey to be fair, uh, to your point, uh, I remember seeing quite a few ass shots of Mirage in the lobby. So they, uh, they, they play him up a bit. for, And I've seen quite a few female gamers go totally uh, gaga, to use an old word, for this character. They, oh, yeah. they, they sexualize him in a very big way. So um, Pathfinder, not so much. There's probably some weird fetish group that's into Pathfinder, but they haven't found me yet. Twitch? Yeah, post post, post whatever links you want. Some people have. Yeah. Okay, so I found this one fan artist, and I will quickly scroll to see if if I her, she goes by. Uh, 
her Twitter handle is underscore M I Y A N N. And she's like, her fan art is the derpiest, funniest. Okay. I wonder if she did it. Oh God. She, she posts so much. I'm never going to find it, but there was a really great, um, cartoon, like little three panel comic or something I found of like, of like the two, two of the girls, including, um, Loba being like, I'm the prettiest girl. No, I'm the prettiest girl. And then like poof, Mirage pushes them up. I'm the prettiest girl. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I it is. It is. Absolutely. And you have to be able to have fun with this ultimately because a lot of heavy themes get bandied about when you're creating a character like this. I mean, with her backstory and then with the idea of the sexuality in it, you know, and at a certain point, you also tell yourself, you know, this is a game, too. Let's try to have some fun while we yeah. do this. Let's not leave that out. And Loba has a real sense of humor, especially my friend Genissary, uh, who has taught me a lot about how to play this game. And um, I've only known her online, brought up earlier in the chat that she loves the fact that Loba has that line, you should smile more. Because oh, it's yeah. very obviously a dig at what a lot of women have to hear. Most women have to hear at a certain point from a man, usually a stranger, and it's a nice way of turning that around, letting them know, we know what you're up to. We know what you're on to. And this is my retort. So when reaction videos went up on YouTube, I would, I would open up all of them in hundreds of tabs and I would, I would just skip to the end <laughs> and like judge that streamer or that YouTuber based on how they reacted to that line. And oh, really? Cool not. Yeah. Nobody cares about these metrics. This is just for me personally, but it was interesting. The majority <laughs> of dudes were like hey, hey yeah like they were cool and they were into it and yeah. i was like that feels like a good healthy indicator of where the industry's at i maybe saw a couple of, uh, cringes but for the most part like dudes were like yeah like they were into it so mm -hmm. and and didn't didn't make any comments even the guys who weren't like over the moon didn't verbalize any comments of like that's messed up that's some that's some feminazi bullshit i didn't hear any of that well, that's good. I mean, it at least shows a level of awareness. And I'm coming at the game from a different perspective because I'm a different generation. I mean, I'm 50. I'll be 51 in August. And I grew up with games, but I grew up with Atari, with, mm. with Pong, you know, and then with Super Nintendo. It, it was not the same world that it is now. It didn't reflect. It reflected the world that we were able to create back then with that tech. But you just didn't have stories like this. And so... As somebody who's older, who is seeing this in games now, I'm astounded at how much they are able to take everything that is happening in the world, the real 3D world, and if they want to, they can put it in this world. You couldn't do that with Super Mario Brothers. You couldn't do that with Pac-Man. And for me, it's, it's been an adjustment to play a game and realize, oh my God, it, it, this really is... Um, it really is a commentary on what's going on in the world right now. And that was a, a new experience for me because I spent years not gaming at all, just busy trying to raise kids and be married and all that. So I got back into the video game world through this game. Aw, yeah. that's nice. Yeah, and it has opened me up to quite a few things. Believe me, I barely knew the difference between sex and gender before this game. I, I, I basically, oh yeah, I know. It's a whole different concept. Well, we had this conversation with Allegra anyway. Um, always ready to have it again. But the point is, is that 
I've always been a Socratic thinker. If this is true, then perhaps this, then this, then this. I just try to put things together logically. So I just want the information. I'll form my opinion once I get all the information. And so as far as the Bloodhound character, I need more information. I don't know this world. So give me the information and I'm starting to learn. And so what all I ask is that there are going to be people who come into the world of Apex or the world of video games who are coming into it from a different experience and they may recoil at first because it's so foreign to them. And my, my only advice is just get the information. Don't make up your mind yet. You've got to get inside the person's head that made this game. Their experience is different from yours. Get a little bit of their experience and start to make up your mind then. But most people, especially online, social media, they just have an immediate hot take. And uh, I like that people are starting to be more aware now and they're taking a little bit longer before they make up their minds about something. I wish more people did that. Well, look, here, here's the deal with toxic fandoms and reactionary nonsense. You're arguing about toys. These are toys. Yeah. These are toys. These are games. You work on toys, you're playing toys. And like getting up in arms or like harassing people or targeting people or doing anything nefarious over a toy is so sad <laughs> on so many levels. They're toys. Yeah. So, yeah. That, yeah. Context is key, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we are, uh, man, we've been at this for almost two hours. Told you um, I could talk. What I knew that you and I could go for another two hours. Look, we did a tech test yesterday. Everybody, I usually do a tech test with somebody the day or two days before just to make sure I know what I'm doing and then I find out I'm not, you know. But usually the tech test is anywhere from five to ten minutes. Sometimes it's a half hour. Yesterday, our tech test was an hour and a half. It was an hour and a half. And we talked about everything we're talking about now. And, well, we talked about real estate a lot more. So, I thought, I don't know if how many uh, Apex fans are going to want to hear about my opinion on, um, you know, how to buy property. But, but, but yeah, this is what I like to do. This is why I like to do this as much as I like playing the game. Because the people who are responsible for these games, to me, are more interesting even than the games themselves. So that's why I like to get there. I, wait, let me ask one favor. I, I want to duck my head out and see if something has happened yet uh, in the living room, and then I'll come back and report. Are you All okay? Right. Are you okay with the chat for thirty seconds? Yeah, do you guys here? Let's open up to questions. Open it up to questions. Mind yourselves. Content, Give me content. Mind yourselves. The the mods are here. All right, mind yourself. Not that you know Frida can't handle herself, but let's not make her have to handle herself. All right, be right back. You wouldn't want to, you wouldn't like me if I have to handle myself. So regarding Portuguese or Spanish, I don't know. Ashley probably knows better than me. I will say for the record, that whole hubbub over like the demonio line, that was a random pitch that I did in the session where um, there was a lot of demon, 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 demon throughout the script. And I was just like, hey, the Spanish word for demon is demonio. Can I give you an alternate take and you don't have to use it if you don't like it, throw it away. And they ended up using that in the trailer. I didn't even know that that was how you say demon in Portuguese. That's a funny quinkadink. Um, so that's the reason there's that only that one line of a foreign language for Loba. If there's going to be more, it's up to Respawn, but I really don't know. That was just my little suggestion there because well, I didn't want to say demon so much. There you go. So I already know the question too. Demonio. I love oh. how it sounds when you say that, by the way. I think it's cool. 
spicy. No, yeah. I just I just wanted to offer. I was like, you know, I could I could say it in Spanish and just like yeah. pure luck that it happened to also be Portuguese, just to, okay. just to keep fans fighting over nuance. That's how we like to keep them interested. This is one I can't wait to hear your answer for. Uh, the B53 asks, question for Frida, how can Loba run across World's Edge and King's Canyon in six-inch heels? You know what? They're actually really practical heels. They're like chunky square platforms. They're not stilettos. Like stilettos get caught in cracks and crap. Or like, you know, they'll spike through grass. Like, don't go to a lawn party in heels. It's such a joke. Um, <laughs> but those big, chunky uh, kind of platform heels, and they look kind of rubbery, actually they look kind of comfy. Like you can do gymnastics and stuff in heels. There's plenty. Um, so I actually, I, I buy it. I was, you know, I'm usually the first to be like, that's not practical footwear, but hers are actually okay. As far go. as footwear for game characters go. All right. They're ergonomic. Here's one, uh, Frankie boy, one of my mods, uh, Frankie boy, the, uh, Mexicali, Mexicano aquí. Do you know any other languages besides Spanish? Also, I would love to hear Loba talk Spanish. Well, of course you would, Frankie boy. I took, I mean, I do have a pretty good um, ear for languages because of the bilinguality. Mm -hmm. um, I did German in high school. I've lost most of it. My, but I can pull up the accent pretty well. I did, um, EA let me do trailers for Mass Effect Andromeda um, in French and German as well, which was dope. Because all nice. I had to say the line was like, was like we're here <clears throat> okay and so i still remember the german was wir haben es geschafft i think mm -hmm. or wir haben es geschafft i don't remember the french when i linked them on my site but like i can fake the accent well enough and like I, as i was telling you yesterday the joke in my household is my husband who is in the void behind he's in darren's face somewhere he's in the uh, nether yeah yeah my my husband is my is my import um he's from scotland mm -hmm. and people have asked regularly if uh if i have trouble understanding him and the joke in our house is like i have to put on his accent most <laughs> not most of it but it's like often enough especially like yelling across the house to be understood so i've gotten pretty good at at, at least an edinburgh scottish accent too which is scottish people will say is not really scottish and it's scottish life blah 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 blah, blah. yeah i know but then if you get into like look Look, I'm experienced enough. I'm interested. I'm invested enough in this relationship where I've ingested plenty of Scottish culture. And like Kevin Bridges, who you might know, who's a well-known Glaswegian um, comic, he's put out a couple books, which remain audiobooks. And like through him, I've gotten some just some good content on listening to the Glaswegian accent. And like he says stuff like earlier, which just sounds like choking to me. Instead yeah. of earlier, it's earlier. <laughs> anyway, that's that's how Glaswegian sounds to me. I uh, am in love with most accents i think they're all amazing and i love just getting that dose of culture that just comes across in how people choose to say words and scottish for me is uh one of my favorite accents because it's um it's kind of brutal i mean they hit those they hit those words hard and did it's just know? it's just so rough and raw you know did you know that if you are scottish you can speak Spanish really well and easily because so uh, Joe started practicing Spanish when he moved in with me and stuff. Okay. Um, and I started teaching him words and like we found out really quickly. Okay. So Scottish people also roll their R's. Yes. It's inherent in the language. So you don't have to teach it. Right. And the vowels are the same. So like, no, in Spanish is no. What is it in Scottish? No, no. It's all no. It's like the same. It's the same vowel bend. Uh -huh. So, it's annoying because I'll teach him anything in Spanish, and even if he doesn't know what he's saying, it's pronounced right the first time. There you go. Very bizarre. 
Very bizarre, but there's your life hack. If you're Scottish, start learning Spanish. Yeah. Should be easy. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We uh, we have no end of questions here. Here is one from Arcanotechnician Archaics, I think. Yeah, I know, yeah. Question: How has your experience with the Apex community been so far? You've had Minimal this, and chill. yeah. Like the yeah. fact the fact that I'm not on social media like took me out of like the initial blast zone, which is nice. Um, and I've just seen like some hits on my website and stuff, and a couple contact forms, but just very little, little, very quiet, which is how I like it. Like this is this is I haven't been asked to do. I mean, I'm glad people are so obsessed with Loba and left me the hell alone because this is the first like interview podcast I've been asked to do at all since coming out. So it's just like it's been nice and quiet for me. And then <laughs> well, well. Yeah. I don't mind doing it. It's just like I've had previous experience where just like oversaturation of exposure was not fun for me. Yeah. And it didn't like serve the project at all. So, yeah. So, no, this has been nice and chill and quiet. I'm glad I'm glad they're happy with it and left me alone. That's good. And that's the way we roll here. Uh, I think that um, I think that, yes, you can definitely overexpose yourself. And that's a weird line that um, content creators have to try and walk because on the one hand they say if you're going to create content you got to do it every day you got to be out there every day because people will turn to someone else on the other hand they say ah too much you never know people could get bored so i i don't even know anymore i just uh i i don't I even have a time limit for these chats it's like they go until they don't go you know until right. somebody has a hard out well, right? like, I, like i was saying at the beginning you know you actually get to decide what you think success is, whether yeah. you are not successful. Like other people do not get to measure your success because this is not, again, this is not a measurable qualitative quantitative thing. It's a figment of your imagination. You can be dirt poor, do two VO gigs a month. And if that's the best you've ever done, you've succeeded. Who cares? Yeah. Whatever. Like there, I know people have some weird metrics. Like I want to be in the top IMDB 100. What does that even mean? It doesn't you know, like the IMDb star meter makes me laugh because anytime you get a jump, it's just that many more people that we were like, who the fuck is this? Like, I know, like when I got, I got bumps from Apex and I got bumps from, from the Jessica Jones thing and people are just like, who the the so it's just, like, that's why like the people in the top 10 of IMDb are in the, like the Netflix series of the week mm -hmm. where everyone's like, who the fuck is this person? And they look at their IMDb, what do I know them from? It, do it doesn't mean that you're more successful or visible or famous. It just means that many more people didn't know who the hell you were before this thing. Yeah. For example, it is not a metric of success. I've been saying this for years, and I'd probably have to amend it again, but um, we live in dog years. Because of the Internet, everything happens seven times faster. You'll go through an arc of your life seven times faster than you might normally because the Internet brings everything faster. And it's a hell of a ride. But, yes... If you start to um, if you start to equate your worth with those metrics, you're in for a very bumpy ride. That is guaranteed. So yes, you do have to decide what success is for you. And yes, the smart person, the wise person, will base it on things that is in their control because that's something you can always do something about. So you know, I doing this though, I have to at least I have to live with the fact that I have to pay attention to numbers and analytics. I enjoy numbers and analytics, but I also have to tell myself I'm going to have to be okay with numbers that sometimes aren't what I want them to be if I was happy with what I put out that day. Mm -hmm. That's the chore. That's, the, that's where the hard work comes in is being okay with 
how many people actually watched or liked something I did. Well, but I mean, like, yeah. again, you can only control what you can control. So what exactly. you're doing next is being like, and the next dream is a wet t-shirt contest star. Yeah. Yours truly. Like, how, yeah. how do you artificially plumb book number Well, three? yeah, believe me, uh, one, of the, um, one of the advantages of spending a half century on this planet is I've been through those, um, I've been down those pathways and they always <laughs> lead to the same place. Not the wet t-shirt stuff. And you're, you're young and needed the money. Yeah, you're welcome, world, for me never doing that. Um, but yeah, just I know where it leads. It's a cul-de-sac. It's a cul-de-sac of uh, frustration. And you will eventually come back to this. And yeah, if you really want to ask yourself the question, just tell yourself, all right, you don't need money anymore. You have all the money you need to do the things you want to do. What do you do with your day now? And for me, it would pretty much be this. And so that's that's where I leave it. So it would be what I'm doing right now. So that's nice. Like yeah. I, think, I think a good example, like um, Roger Craig Smith, uh, uh -huh. Mirage. If you look at, I mean, I'm sure everyone in this chat has, but if you look at his social media, that guy is a camera nerd. It's pictures of birds, he's, he's like and he stars. Clearly, he clearly yeah. does VO to finance his camera habit, and he Roger takes the most, the gnarliest, yeah, close-ups of birds. He does. Um, astronomy photography he is ridiculous and he's really good at it yeah but he knows photography doesn't pay like vo does so right. his measure of success is that he can you know he can afford this lifestyle where he's feeding his mm -hmm. feeding his habit that feeds his soul right and it all sounds like very chakra aligning but honestly you're like your self-worth has to be built on things that genuinely make you happy mm -hmm. and that has to be that is just a more sustainable metric i find than how many bookings, how much money, how many viewers or whatever. I know that all translates into dollars and stuff, but I yeah. think one feeds the other, right? So like Roger's an example. I'm sure he figured out his camera hobby before he was making lots of VO money and sort of realized, oh, maybe I should do conventions and stuff because it'll help me buy more lenses. Right. And everybody wins. Yeah. I always treat the uh, the stuff that's out of your control that bounces your way as just that's a bonus. You know, enjoy the bonus. I I like when I do a good job on a, on a uh, say, a table read because that's a live audience. I like when I walk out of a session, you know, or at least at this point when I log off of a session and I know they were happy with what I did. That's yeah. an extra for me. So I yeah. pat myself on the back and I say, good. If I get a nice residual check, I say, good, that's extra. You weren't planning on that. It's in. Enjoy it. But yes, if you start to tie your expectations to it, yeah, therein lies danger. Yeah. So, yes. Here's one from Eric Tyler. Question, if you had Loba's bracelet, what's the first thing you'd use it to do? For also, blinking? yeah, also his bro, Adam, whose birthday is today, loves all your work, as does he. So happy, happy birthday, birthday to Adam. So yeah, you got Loba's bracelet. Oh, it's time for uh, chicanery. It's time I for mean, hijinks. I'm lazy enough to just like blink from here to like 10 feet that way into the bathroom sure. because that's how I roll. <laughs> um, I mean, given the pandemic, like some, something I have to, I had to start doing is like, I let my car battery died cause I'm a bad adult. Nah. Um, cause I was only driving the car to the supermarket to do curbside pickup once a week. And that's right. not enough to maintain a battery. And <laughs> I took it to the dealership and they're like, we're replacing batteries like crazy. Cause no one's driving enough. Uh. Um, so just to let my battery die a second time, if I had a Lobo's bracelet, I would like, I would, for sanity's sake, I, I've been telling my husband, like, okay, so I put in the Google Calendar, we're going to start doing, like, nonsense drives, just take the dog, 
shove ourselves in the car early morning and just like drive to Mulholland. Basically, shorthand, do like stupid, easy scenic, scenic drives that fulfill the you must drive the car this long to maintain the battery quota and yeah. then go the hell back home. Right. Um, so then that's just also for brain. So I just don't feel like I'm trapped within my own apartment. Um, but I would love to like the fact that I am made a little bit extra crazy just thinking I haven't had a vacation in four years. So I'm already losing it. Okay. Um, so the fact that we're like landlocked and travel outside of cars isn't safe. I, I would love to just be a blink vacation. Mm-hmm. Wherever. How amazing would that be? I would yeah. like a vacation. I would like a vacation bracelet and I would like it now. Get on it, chat. Get on it, internet. Where's Frida's vacation bracelet? <laughs> uh, J-Dog, thanks very much for the compliment. I'm glad you're here, and uh, I'm going to keep doing this stuff. Um, here's one from Sluggo Snail. Now, this is more getting into canon, and a lot of times I'm asked canon questions, and I just don't know the answer, but this, I don't think there's a wrong answer. Uh, Frida, how do you think Loba sees Mirage? Apparently, there's a lot of... I time in front of the mirror. Yeah. And also, I think Mirage goes through hair product faster than Loba does. Yeah. I I think they just, I think they just, I would bet they have like the brother sister, you're hogging the bathroom type of relationship. (laughs) Uh, Here's one from, and I love this name, Top Cone Bone 69. Just let's, let's put it out there. Did you take any inspiration from any female character while playing Loba? Saludos desde Tijuana, Mexico. Saludos, mucho gusto. ¿Qué tal? Um, well, I mean, Ashley was the first to say, oh, yeah, it's Catwoman, but with Batman's background. How good of an Ashley impression is that, by the way? I yeah. think I nailed it. <laughs> Use your hands oh, a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, And, like, more flailing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, love you, Ash. <laughs> uh, so with that, in, so already I was like, okay, so, like, Catwoman. But I, I did even, I'm just, like, like I got into a real... I, I try not to, I shouldn't apologize for trying to do my job, but I remember like being like, sorry, actor brain. Um, because all, all story and motivation and crap that I extrapolate from like the story trailers. Right. Right. Cause that's, because you're not going to get it in grenade or weapon here. Like right. that doesn't tell me, but how do I really feel about my parents? Mm-hmm. So, you know, all the, all the dialogue, what do we call that? Dialogue breakdown? Dialogue script script breakdown whatever we call that yeah. um came through story trailers mm-hmm. and so i remember it was like just little little things that i got to sort of like pick response brain about like for example when it was sort of like the the line the line in the very first the 2d animated trailer where she's saying something like something about like the, there was a thief and it was in my blood but i was like i was doing it to feel something real I, I don't remember if that's a line that shipped, but there was something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And so I mentioned, I said, oh, so is like, does she steal because it's a coping mechanism? Because a lot of time, because a lot of people like become shop, like addicted to shoplifting or whatever, because it's a coping mechanism. It's an adrenaline rush. It helps mm-hmm. suppress whatever trauma, PTSD you're not dealing with, mm-hmm. or you do it to feel something no different than any other type of addiction. And they were like, oh, we hadn't thought of that. And then like, it triggered a discussion. Cause like, I'm like, well, I, that's what I got out of this, right? And the, and I think we ended up like adjusting some of the lines in the trailer over that question of like, well, why is she stealing? Because like clearly, for you know, in D and D context, we 
it's the same thing when you you roll like I, I rolled I'm very proud of myself I'm starting a little stupid campaign with just me and my husband and my friend in Atlanta who's gonna DM for us and I and nice. I made my 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 hill dwarf fighter last night her name is Blarblera Tumblebum and Joe my husband says he can't pronounce it I don't care it's just Blarblera like Barbara but Blarblera anyway are you using Roll20 or are you using Zoom? Or uh, I'm fascinated by how people do campaigns now. He, All right. My my other my other friend, my husband Joe and my other friend Joe and my other brother Daryl. Um, yeah. D- DM Joe has been running uh, long distance campaigns for his own group. So okay. his problem. I just have to show up and then be annoying like an obnoxious player. But in in the same way where you you know in your D and D sesh you do your own little like like because you have to fill it out in your character sheet like this is this is how easy acting is guys so when you roll your D character you're like but why did i become a bard and why did i come from a background of of nobility or like oh wait did i come from a crime family and you just sort of like on your on your own you don't yeah. need to be an actor to do this you kind of you start spiraling the story tells itself improv works the same way like or socratic whatever you want to call it one question leads, leads to another to question, another question. Another yeah question. And when you're an actor, your job is to answer those questions for yourself. Right. In the same way, when you're rolling the D&D character, I don't know. where did Why? Why does this character do that? Where did that come from? Why are you a bard? Whatever. Like, you have to answer your own questions. And you're always surprised. But people, I think, are surprised that when they, like, let go, control how much that evolves itself. Uh-huh. So, like, so with Loeb, I had, you know, a series of organic questions that just I just, you know, free associated my stream of thought hopefully without being insulting of like, but why? And so if I'm asking the question, it forces the whole room to answer it for me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and because like, I can't take full ownership of the project, it is still Loba is still a property owned and, and mitigated by respawn and EA. I have to, because they're the client, like a D and D character, which is mine. I have to run their D and D character by them and being like, Hey, so here's my question. This is what I think. Do you agree? And we go from there. Mm-hmm. So, I'm it's it's funny how analogous you can really make D&D role playing character sheet just be like one to one analogous to script breakdown. Yeah. (laughs) And answering questions. The information's all there. It's just it's your choice. It's your it's your problem and your responsibility to decide what it all means. Yeah. And then and then you present that back to your D&D group or in my case to the client. Yeah. This is how gaming has evolved over the course of my lifetime as well. I got into D&D when it first came around. I mean, it technically was created in the early 70s, a very groovy time. And I wasn't exposed to it until about 1980. And uh, I was about 11. And it, it took a minute for me to get my head around it because where's the board? Well, there doesn't right. need to be a board. Where's my piece? Well, you don't necessarily need a piece. This is a sheet of paper. It's like, what, a sheet of paper? What yeah. game has a sheet of paper? Well, it's pencil, paper. These are the dice. When I saw the dice, I was in. What is that? That's a 12-sided die. That's a 10-sided die. This is a 20-sided die. You're going to use this the most. And so when I got to discover that I got to use all of the crazy ideas in my head in a game, then Monopoly was fun, but not D&D. And mm-hmm. now that you, yeah, you... It's, it's a way to let people know on the stream, if you guys play D&D, you're already acting. Yeah. You may not see it that way, but you're acting. That's what we do. Okay, it's D&D, but on a different scale. 
And I uh, got a, yeah. you know, the, the Google alert, I got a hit from a Reddit thread in the D&D subreddit where the question, like, if you, if you put my name in the Reddit search, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. But the thread was someone asking, like, hey, can anyone point me in the direction of, like, links or guides or YouTubes or whatever, because I'm having a hard time as a DM coming up with voices for my NPCs. How do you all do it? Uh-huh. And, like, somebody linked to my how-to page, so I got yeah. the hit. So I jumped in there, and, like, I, um, Matt Colville, who's a, a buddy of mine that I used to work with, Matt's totally, like, left the gaming industry and runs his own, like, D&D companion stuff, and he has a huge library of videos on YouTube. Colville, C-O-L-V-I-L-L-E, but if you already played D&D, you probably already know. Um, and he does, like, a lot of, like, very intensive, focused on DMs, how-tos. And one of them was, like, coming up with character voices, and he'll, he said the same thing I said, which is basically, like, it doesn't have to be so hard. You don't have to work so hard. And very often, things that we book have, like, again, like, tiny nipple twiddles. Tiny little changes can make a totally different voice. Yeah. And not sound like yourself. And you don't have to be self-conscious to overthink it because um, I always think of it in terms of, like, audiobooks, for example. You don't have to make dramatic voice changes for us to understand you're a different character now. Mm-hmm. So why is it any different for your D&D group? You don't have to put on a show or fireworks just even minor changes communicate the change in the difference. I, I like to think of it sometimes as if you're acting a lot of times people, and I used to do this a lot when I was first starting out is I would approach it from the outside in and just try and change the voice in a technical way. But really, if you're thinking about acting, you have dialogue. Don't say the words, let them come out. So get yourself in that headspace. The words will come out as that character and the human ear of the audience will do half of the work for you. They'll meet you yeah. halfway. They understand what's going on. So. It shouldn't, it's just, this should never feel hard. And like you were saying earlier, like for, for us, the first inkling of like, if you have a difficult time getting through an audition, doing a voice, then don't audition with that voice because you can't sustain it for four hours. Yeah. The same should apply to your D&D game. Just, just make it easy. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. We had one from further up here. Um, ah, from the Razor Hail. Did you play Apex before you got cast as Loba? I did. I jumped in before. I, well, not before Loba, but before um, the character was launched. I did jump in for a night, just because, like, I, I'm, I'm old, so I came out playing the Unreal tournaments and the Doom and the Counter Strike and all these games that we yeah. played during the Civil yeah, War. Your land parties and such. We had land parties. We drank Mountain Dew all night, but as a group, none of you kids know what I'm talking about. Um, so, you know, like I have FPS savvy, which is how I've gone around Apex. So I, I jumped in and like I told you yesterday, um, I got dumped in a map that was really big and I felt like it would take like 10 minutes to run into another person to shoot them. So I had to back in since, but I, I mean to. Also, I kind of like wanted to, at first I was like, I'll play when Lowe was playing and I'll do the thing that actors do when they troll people. And the reality is because kids, you can't play, you can't double up on characters in a team. It's like, well, I'm not going to play Loba. Loba's always going to be in rotation with someone else because she's new and popular. So I might as well just wait. And I, I didn't want to get to, um, too clingy with like another character like mirage or somebody and be like i don't want to learn another character because i can cheese it with this one <laughs> so no but i will i mean hey we're we're in lockdown we can yeah well, I'm, I'm personally in lockdown we can do whatever we want what console are you on well see because because i'm old i never grandmama never made the jump to platforms with uh with shooters so i still play on pc because okay i just bought a pc i'm old.
Yeah. No, I just bought a PC. I'm still figuring it out. So I know how to get on and play on the PC. I have an Xbox, but once I figure it out, we can game a little bit and I can either stream it or not stream it. It'll be up to you. We could oh, keep it. Pri okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll figure all that stuff out because it would be fun. And uh, I always play as Pathfinder. And for me, it's easy. I'm a shitty gamer. I'm a horrible gamer. And so I'm just going to play as my guy. I've played the other characters. I'm even worse at them. And so I thought, yeah, it'll be more fun if I just play me. And, uh, and every time I say something, if I want to say it as Pathfinder, it's fun. But also, after playing Pathfinder for a while, I got to where, geez, I really know this, how to move this guy a lot. So now I'm kind of stuck. So I'm, That's I'm kind of... That's what I don't want to do. I don't want to get too attached to another character. Yeah, I'm attached. Being said that, like, Aloba might not even be... Like, you can't... If it's not your play style, you can't get too married to the idea of like, but I would have played the character that I did. Yeah. No, I have to sometimes... Well, before Pathfinder got nerfed, I had to sometimes take another character because he was very popular. Since he's been nerfed, I've had no problem taking Pathfinder. They, since they extended that zip line or that grapple cooldown, I get Pathfinder all day long. Whoops. Um, yeah, oopsie. Uh, here's one from Datboy. Uh, did Frida see the Season 4 reveal trailer? Seeing young Loba, and if you did, what was your thoughts on knowing your character would be officially be revealed a few months later from that point? In other words, I, the build-up. I think I'd be like, I think I would have been more antsy on uh, if I'd been on social media, just because when you are on social media, there is either externally or internally a pressure to promote yourself. And if you get caught in that hamster loop, you start to feel like, oh God, I don't have anything to promote. Uh, I'm even an actor yeah. anymore. Am I going to work in it? So, like, not having the pressure to promote was nice. Like, it's completely, like, not my problem. Um, but, it, I mean, it was weird. Like, so, for example, um, I'm on an animated show with Mela and Mela, who's Lifeline. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, one of the producers, this show's not out yet, so I can't name drop okay. it. If, if it was, the show's been announced, but the cast isn't announced, and it's a thing where if I say the thing, then I get in trouble. Anyway, so... Um, I can say it. It's called it's called juicy ass and penis. So uh, just so you guys know, because juicy that's ass and penis. yeah, these are the two of that. the things you said earlier that that flipped the uh, chat. And I said, oh well, that should be a show name, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I get into, I'll just start making a jingle. Anyway, um, so we were waiting to go in a session, and one of the producers comes in, who's just like a total white guy cap neckbeard schlub, who like typical like you just like you can you can tell the gamer and he just came up and just started going off like mel and i were seated snacking or something and they just came off uh just going off to mel about like yo so you're at apex i love apex i'm playing apex all the time with my with my friends it's so dope oh, and just like sucked her soul away into like a 30 because we did we, i mean there was nowhere to go we're trapped in the lobby of this of the studio and we don't have to be in there yet and clearly he has nowhere better to be so he's just you know, like, like, apex is so cool and mela's like yeah yeah this is weird we're not at a convention um yeah mela is like, not yeah she's not really in for a lot of that stuff she's she very, was very accommodating she's yeah like, yeah uh-huh i mean what, what else could she do but agree right but anyway he went off at length and like I hadn't told anybody that I knew, like I already was friends with the Laker and friends with Mel. I hadn't told uh -huh. anybody that I was in it because also, like we recorded it and we started recording. This is this is this is how fine oil the machine respawn is and how specific with their scheduling they are. I believe I started recording 
little bit in like October of last year. Wow. And th- at that time, they were I was already like, so when is she out? Do you know? And they're like, oh yeah, uh, end of May. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. wow. First of all, <laughs> amazing, luxurious, which is great. I mean, that's great news because that means they're going to take all that time to do like play testing and tweaking and there's time for pickups and if they change their mind or if they want to do the yeah. whole thing over again because they didn't like it when they took it home, that's a, that's a beautiful amount of time to get it right for mm-hmm. their own satisfaction before it gets shipped it's also a really long time for me to sit with the information so because it was such yeah. a long time i just you know what i felt like it's not worth telling anybody because it's so much time for someone to accidentally like slip up and tell other people we're not supposed to tell other people so like a late like i showed up at the respawn christmas party last year and, and that girl was like bitch why didn't you tell me that you were in i was like because of ndas and like what's the point like why hang I don't like. I don't tell my husband about a lot of stuff that I'm in because I don't want to burden him with the information. Right. That's my burden. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. that's my problem, and it's my problem if it gets out. That like that's my head that rolls, not anyone else's. Yeah. So it was just very funny to like be trapped in this in this place with Mela while she's having to be like, yeah, Apex, uh huh, Apex, and I'm like, you guys, I'm in, and this is why I'm not <laughs> telling anybody that I'm in Apex. I'm glad it's so beloved, but this looks uncomfortable. Yeah. No. The internet uh, makes its own gravy. You don't need to give it much before it runs off and, yeah. and says, look what I just found out. And that must mean more other things that aren't necessarily true, but I'm going to say them anyway. Yep. Uh, let's take one more. We'll, we'll, let, uh, we'll let the lovely and amazing Frida Wolf go. Plus, I have to go because I have an eye appointment, eye doctor oh, appointment. Lovely. Yeah. Well, no, it's just this is my checkup, and uh, you know, you're, every checkup you have is running way behind because there's a yeah. lockdown, and you can't go anywhere. But yes. Um, Orange Jacinto. ¿Cómo estás? ¿Qué tal? Uh, Apex Actors D&D campaign when? In other words, can we find a few of the other Apex Actors that play D&D and get something together? I don't know. Maybe we could. I haven't played in forever. It's been a while. Joke, but like, it's so many people. I almost feel like it would work better if we could do it in person. Ah, yeah. yeah. Well, that'll be a while, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We could do like small while. ones or small groups or something. What's the ideal group size for you for a D&D campaign? I'm usually like five people. Four, five. five four, five, five is, yeah. Five is magical. Like four yeah. or five is magical. Three is pretty intimate, and then more than that, it's just really rowdy. There's a lot of NPCs uh, they have to bring in if there's too few people, you know. And then, yeah, five seems to be, like when I was a kid, yeah, I was always a uh, cleric ranger. I don't know why I chose those two things, but I liked being a healer, and I liked being able to run around in the woods and be pretty dexterous and all that. And I would always be some sort of elven cleric ranger. That was me. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what I would be now. Probably Ranger. Just go straight up Ranger. So I, la- I laugh because my, so my husband and I made our, the D&D website has like an awesome, <clears throat> awesome character generator. And also like, because we had to make our characters level three. And if you just want to hit random or whatever, but okay. just like the thing where it like spits out all your stats and whatever, and it can be as randomized as you want. We didn't discuss what we were making. We made it independently. And like, he made he made a, a wood elf ranger i think uh and and i made a, a hill dwarf fighter mm-hmm. and we just made ourselves is what i'm saying like i'm i'm short and round and thick and he's like tall and long and 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 as he says you know he's from scotland he's from where white people were invented yeah so we just we basically made ourselves it's so dumb it's so dumb so if you could like you know if you could like critical role us into an animated series it would just be us in our armor being the same 
and me yelling at him in a bad Scottish accent. Yeah. Same body art too, oddly enough. Same body yeah. art. Really stupid. Yeah. How long is it, how long has it taken you to get all the body art together? It's a my uh, brother is really into it and I've never had a single tattoo. Okay, so this I have this is hilarious to me because I got this guy I got done the last week of February after I had completed my prepper shopping. I had it this artist is got usually got like a crazy backlog because he's very good. And there's um when I was shopping for a tattoo artist, I noticed this thing on Instagram where there's a lot of artists who just put up what we call we call them the biz flash art. Like they make their own art book. Uh-huh. When you walk into a shop and you see art on the wall, that's flash. Uh, it's pre-made stuff. You can be like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of artists who make their own really uh, small fridge magnets or big pieces that are flash, and they're like, pick one. And the good artists make really good flash where you're like, that is a better idea than I ever would have come up with. So hysterically, like this is his imp- interpretation of the hermit card from the tarot. And like, it's got the hermit and it's, you've got your old man, but it's a skull and there's all these like skulls and roses and stuff. And wow. now the plague where people are dropping like flies. So I feel weird about it. And I live in a bunker like a mole person. So, you know, it was very topical. Um, if you want to look him up, he's a uh, lust and consume both on Instagram and his website, like really, really good uh, tattoo artist in LA. So here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. Um, I have a lot of other work, but it's um, a lot of filled in color stuff. This is the first black and black and gray that I've gotten an hour and 20 minutes or no, was it two and two hours and 20 minutes? It was, I think it was like, I want to say two hours and 20 minutes, maybe, maybe just over two hours, which is just nuts. Mm. And it's like, it's my whole arm. That's a lot. I feel naked because like a whole, it's like a third of my arm, but like he busted it out barely over two hours with bananas. That is because usually that looks like it would be more than one session. Usually. No. And it's because it's because of the lack of color because okay. it's, just, okay, it's yeah. just line work. It looked to me, it looks like a medieval woodcut, which I really like. Ah, so, yeah. See, so, the more you know. That's a whole other conversation we're going to have to have because you're, you're an Anglophile and so am I. And we could, yeah, we could get into an entirely different discussion completely. Just, I mean, we had a text thread where we were trying to one-up each other with the obscure English movies that we had seen. Chris asked if I'd yeah. seen With Nil and I. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. I, really, I literally had watched that YouTube documentary on With Nil like the day before, apropos of nothing. There you go. So... Uh, people were asking, are you guys going to do the improv? Uh, no, we're not doing the improv this time. We're just sort of keeping it conversational. So we're going to be, actually, we're going to wrap it up because, uh, I've got to walk over to my, uh, I got to walk through the village to get to the eye doctor and, uh, put on an H95 mask to get my eyes checked. So there's a little bit of trepidation, but you know, I'm just trusting the science. That's all I can do. Trust the science. This guy's good. He knows what he's doing. So I'm all good for it. So um, before we go, Frida, is there anything you'd like to say to the folks on the chat? It's your chance hey. to. Thank you for coming. This is this is my first uh, interaction as like, hello, I'm the voice of Lova. So it's nice to say hello and, and talk about it. And I'm glad that y'all liked her. Um, yeah. So just like, thank you. And thank you. Like, all, thanks to the Apex community for being, as far as I can tell, mostly chill and being very cool. Thanks for being cool mm-hmm. and be excellent to each other. Yeah. Yeah, and if we get a chance to get in and play some games, then we'll chat about other stuff too. That's the gaming and chatting is one of my favorite things. We're playing the game, but we're talking about something not even close to what's on the screen. That's the yeah. kind of stuff I love doing too. So, 
we'll have to get that. We'll, we'll have to get that, that in there. All right. Well, Frida, you, uh, well, you know, like I said, we could we could still be talking and talking and talking, but um, uh, we'll we'll just. It's almost like we would do this for free if it wasn't our jobs. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. It's it's almost like that, isn't it?